0: So hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada, where we discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Lions Kilius, and with me as always is Aaron Richardson. Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. And I'm the head of business development at the real estate marketing company, Homeania. So for today's show, we've got a couple of items we wanted to cover. In our new segment, we're going to be looking into uh, some of the surprising revelations about the binding nature of the, of the offer to lease, and then followed by our main segment, which we'll be discussing a trend in the market, which is uh, involving conditionless offers and the issue, issues involved with those. But first, I want to welcome our very special guest on the show today, Sue Heddle, sales representatives with Century 21 Miller in Oakville, Ontario. So welcome to the show, Sue. Is your first time on. So uh, how you. was how your week? I've been uh, playing a lot of phone tag with you. You've been very busy, I understand.
1: Yeah, well, the market continues to be hot. I've never experienced it like this in the Oakville-Burlington area. I mean, this is commonplace for Toronto, but this year, uh, multiple offers every single night, um, trying to get in to see properties before we can even go, they're already sold. So it's been insane this year.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And being from of the marketing company too, just trying to get all, all like the photos and everything up and online before uh, yeah. these properties are selling can be tough for us too. Uh, and and just for the podcast too, trying to get guests in here, like everyone's just so incredibly busy. It's it's pretty nuts. So I've I've got to constantly follow up with people on the phone just to get them on the show too. Uh, it's just well, the nature of
1: uh houses i was going to show this morning sold last night so i'm here
0: (laughs) Yep. good thing or else me and Aaron will be doing this solo so i'm really glad we could have you on um so, so do you do you ever want to tell us anything about yourself at all like maybe a bit of your background experience in the industry
1: well um i actually was in television news for 23 years i was a television news editor for the cbc and then i got so busy selling real estate that i had to actually leave my job there and uh, went solo selling real estate. And one of the things I started doing that made me uh, different than other realtors was I owned a staging company, or still own a staging company, and staged all my homes free for my clients. Because, you know, um, Linus, with your business, that nothing sells the house better than enticing people in with those beautiful images, which is why I use you guys, because you guys do it like nobody else. And, you know, you've got options to have drone shots and virtual tour and all those bells and whistles attached to your listing make your listing stand out
0: and just so everyone knows we're not paying sue to say that <laughs> uh, <laughs> this isn't supposed to be too much of a promotional spot but definitely thank you for uh, for the glowing reviews and such it's and true. It, makes yeah, a huge difference yeah, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and uh yeah if anyone does want to check out our stuff it's just spotlightcentury 21ca for the record <laughs> now that that was a plug that was definitely a plug <laughs> i figured it was, good, it was a good time for it so I might as well just throw it in there Okay, So uh, let's get into the new segment. So Aaron came across an article uh, this week. It just came out last week um, for in Rem magazine. The The article is entitled some surprise revelations about the offer to lease. And I guess I'll just get Aaron to intro this. Uh, sure. so Aaron, You want to take it away? Yeah, no. I read the article,
2: um, and then uh, surprisingly enough, I got a, a phone call from an agent uh, that had a question that pertained almost almost directly to the article. Uh, the question the agent asked was, "I signed uh, an agreement to uh, uh, to lease, which we often uh, refer to as the offer to to lease a property. Um, everything's binding, okay? And now the landlord wants uh, my people to sign." a new lease, like a, a, mm-hmm. a separate lease from what we negotiated.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: while um, well, the questions started going back and forth, like, you know, well, I've got to see the the agreement because was there anything in there about a separate um, offer or agreement to lease being attached? So um, what the article had to do is exactly that. What, what are you signing when you're signing? And in every province, I guess, or in every board, um, there's different standard forms so they call them different things Uh, in ontario we call it an agreement to lease but as i understand uh, it's also known as an offer to lease so really what is it is it the offer and then another lease was to be signed or whether it was actually an agreement to lease that you're negotiating and that actually becomes the lease so So,
0: go ahead no i was gonna say so our most like where, where is the misconception coming here? Are most agents under the impression that when you do have this offer to lease or agreement to lease, that is the terms of the lease and that might not be the case? It, the, the landlord, I guess, could come back and, and come back with a, a different, different conditions and such. And is that what, what's the concern here?
2: Well, the interesting thing about the article is it, it came from, I think, a different board, which um, they always have an, a separate agreement to lease signed um, above and beyond what they had Offered back and forth and negotiated, and um, in Ontario we f- we actually put in a clause that's fairly standard. That um, and I'll read it to you. It says the tenant and landlord agree that an accepted offer to lease shall form a completed lease, and no other mm-hmm. lease is, to, is is required. Um, that's something we use in Ontario. Um, right. And just to be just to be clear, you know this is going to be the lease, so no other lease is to be signed. And in this case, that was the advice I gave the agent: was well, don't sign anything else because this is the lease you know these are the yeah, terms because you've already that, you know,
1: agree, you've already negotiated all the terms like who's going to pay for the water and who's going to pay you've already done all that assuming in the agreement to lease that you've already signed so i would never instruct my people to sign another lease you've already no. you've already hashed that out
2: Yeah, well, the interesting thing is I read all the clauses in the agreement to lease, the pre-printed clauses, and uh, one of the clauses reads like this. uh, Lease shall be drawn up by the landlord on the landlord's standard form of lease and shall include the provisions as contained herein and any attached schedule and shall be executed by both parties before possession of the premise is given. The landlord shall provide the tenant with the information relating to the rights and responsibilities of the tenant and information on the role of the tenant and tenant." or landlord and tenant board, and how to contact the board. So it actually states here that if I don't, really, if I don't put in this um, clause that I had originally uh, suggested, mm-hmm. that there is going to be another form signed.
1: Right. Um,
2: there is going to be another lease signed. So that clause is um, really important to, to remember to put in.
1: Also, um, other standard lease clauses, you know, I've gone on lease agreements where, I've said to the um, listing agent, do you have a standard lease? Well, no, just make up a lease. Yeah. So in that case, of course, I'm going to be doing everything on behalf of the of the lease, the, the leasee, right? The tenant. So yes. I'm going to you know, do my best to get the best deal for my tenant. So I know at Century 21 Miller, we have a standard lease form that we have in our forms, which I then can go through and pick and choose the ones that, Will work best for my tenant. Yeah,
2: yeah, and you'll put that in the agreement to lease. Like you'll, that'll be part of the the negotiated uh, uh, form. You won't do a separate one, will you?
1: No, that's I put that in the like it's like a schedule, right? Yeah, it's a schedule. So you put in like the lawn if they're going to cut the lawn or not. You know things like that, snow removal. You negotiate all that stuff going into it.
2: So interesting enough, there is a um, a clause that we use. Um, And maybe we can make this available to to the to the listeners as well, Um, because if there is a separate lease that, uh, let's say, a landlord has and a lot of landlords do have them because they want to make sure it's done on the the same form that the lawyer did up for them years back or whatever. Um, The clause has to read like this if you're going to put it in attached here to a schedule, let's say, C. Uh, is a copy of the landlord's standard lease form, which the landlord will alter to reflect the business terms defined herein. And the tenant agrees to sign the same subject to minor adjustments as negotiated between the landlord and the tenant, both acting reasonably. In the event that there's a difference or contradiction between this offer and the standard lease form, the terms of the lease as so negotiated shall prevail save yeah. it, uh, for a manifest error. So that's saying that if there is a, a discrepancy between the two, what was negotiated originally is what will prevail.
1: Right. Uh, but, yeah, I think that everybody who's representing a landlord should have a schedule prepared with the things that the landlord wants done. Yeah. And that's, all those clauses yeah. should be negotiated before. No. And if you don't have that, then what's going to happen is the tenant is going to come in with what they're, they perceive as, you know, what's going to be best for them. So I, I try to be fair and protect both sides and come up with an agreement because ultimately these people are going to have a relationship. Once you leave the scene, uh-huh. these people are going to be dealing with each other for the next year or two. So you want to go in being fair and reasonable with both parties.
0: Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Um so we can make that form that Aaron mentioned too, the the bit that you guys have at Heritage there available in the show notes. We'll just we'll put a link to that uh so you guys can check it out later. Um and by the way, Aaron, you read lawyer ease very well there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to follow as best I could. Oh, I'm glad. That I'm was a, a tough one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so maybe we'll move into the main segment. And uh, when we contacted Sue to come on the show, she had something specific she wanted to talk about. Um, it's Aurea Treb Form 127, Conditions in Offer Acknowledgement. Now, um, I'm sure every province or board might have something similar, or maybe they don't have something formal, but uh, especially in like a Vancouver, Toronto market where you've got these these you know conditionless offers coming in, I guess these can be an issue. But Sue specifically told me not to look into it too much because because she wanted to get my take on it fresh-faced, I guess. So Sue, do yeah. you want to talk about this for him and let us know uh, what the situation is?
1: Sure. So, you know, I, right now the market is so crazy and you're out with people. You know, for example, I was working with a, a young couple. They're moving up the food chain, so they already had a townhouse and now they want to move to a semi-detached, detached in Mississauga area. Well, every single house we went to see, it was packed with people And you know they're thinking about it. Maybe we'll put in an offer, and then offer night rolls around, and there's already six, seven offers, and they didn't feel comfortable. So we kept looking, and we finally found a property that you know she absolutely fell in love with. And can we cue the theme from the love story? (laughs) Anyhow, she fell in love. I could see it in her eyes. She wanted this property, and so we decided to go in with a bully offer. Now we're talking about, you know, spending $800,000 on a property. And I know going in that they've already got financing and not just bank financing with somebody sitting, plugging their numbers into a box. They actually have already a firm commitment from a bank. So they've got that. And now we're talking about home inspection. So we know if we're going to go in with a bully, it has to be like a too good to be true offer for the seller. So it should be clean. So I said to them, you know, we can't come in with the condition of home inspection. Let's do a pre-inspection on the property in order to, so that we can't come in clean. Because it's my job as a real estate agent to protect you, my buyer. So I want to make sure that this property is sound before you make an offer. So I don't want it coming back to bite you or me so they're humming and hawing maybe we should do a home inspection but how much is that going to cost i'm like you guys are going to be putting down 800 plus thousand dollars spend the two three thousand three two three hundred dollars to have a home inspection at least do a walkthrough so we did that on the lunch hour where we rushed in with the home inspector and he did a walkthrough on the property for them so that night we we go in with our offer what i had them do was sign the form 127, which means that I have counseled them and they have been asked to put in conditions, but they have they have chosen not to. Now I knew that they were safe, but Aaron, maybe you can speak to this because it says the buyer hereby acknowledges with respect to conditions that the buyer, and then there's two boxes, will not be including conditions in the buyer offer, the above described property, we'll be waiving the conditions in the buyer offer Mm -hmm. of the above described property. So what's the difference between waiving or not including?
2: Um, Well, when you waive something, it's like it never existed. So I can see where your question comes from because really it's doing the same thing. You're just not – yeah. Um, I think the reason why they put we'll be waiving the condition in the buyer's offer um, is a lot of times – um, they, you, you've put it in there um, and you're, they're sort of waving that saying, listen, um, home inspection or financing, I'm good. But you know that, well, it's, you know, it's not 100%. We haven't shown the house to the lender. The lender hasn't got a full approval on That's it. That's right. Right? So they're waiving it or not mm-hmm. including it depending on which way, you know, whether or not it was in there originally. I always suggest to put it in there. And then have them and
1: then strike it, it and uh, then initial
2: it. Yeah, just so that you show yeah. that. Listen, I gave you every opportunity to have uh, um, the mortgage, um, you know, the, the mortgage broker look at things and make sure that you're approved. Um, so there's a few things you can do, but I guess they, you know, just wanted to be accurate in terms of whether or not it was included to begin with, or whether or not they waive that. I, I suggest you use the waive, because essentially okay. they're saying, listen, they give get got we're given the opportunity to put it in there, right?
1: Right, So, and then also below that is pending, too. So all the options were the financing of the above-described property, the sale of the buyer's property, which nobody goes in with that anymore, yeah. uh, the arranging of insurance on the building, and uh, obtaining a home inspection, and then there's other, right? Yeah. So the financing. The other important thing is you have to just tell your people is that even though you may be good with 800000 the property may not come in at that price, so you will be forced to make up the difference, whatever that be. Like if it comes in at 750, say they would have to make up that extra 50,000. So you counsel them, and then you to protect yourself as a realtor, you know you've done your job. You know that you have counseled them to the best of your ability. But this form is your insurance policy that they're not going to come back and say that you didn't in the future,
2: right? Yeah. What's happening right now is, um, and I've talked to a lot of mortgage uh, specialists and, and they're saying the way that the market is, every house is a new record, right? It's a new record sale. Something hasn't sold.
1: I know it's everything's coming in exactly at what the uh, price was. It's coming exactly what the selling price was.
2: Well, and that's what the appraisals are. Now I just uh, was uh, involved in a situation where um, the client was solid OK, uh, everybody's agreed that this is the price they're going to pay and everybody's happy. The appraisal came in um, over one hundred thousand less than the, than the house was sold wow. for. And the reason why uh, the appraiser gave was she could, couldn't come up with any comparables. Right. Yeah, she, But no,
1: you can't anymore.
2: <laughs> I know. And this is the issue. So we got to be careful because in all other markets that that person probably would have waived that condition and said yeah I'll go without it I've been pre-approved I've been approved the bank knows me everything's great mm-hmm. um, and if it doesn't appraise out now if it doesn't appraise out that doesn't mean that um, you know the person necessarily can't afford it or the, the bank won't right. pay a mortgage right? right I mean it just means that they may have to come up with more of a of the down payment down
1: payment right right
2: but so uh, that. So this form, so this form um, that you're talking about, I know you've, uh, say, Form 127, and uh, in Ontario, that makes some sense. But, okay, uh, so yeah. Go ahead.
1: So it's the conditions in offer yep. acknowledgement.
2: That's what uh, ARIA, the Ontario Real Estate Association, have, has named it. Um, prior to this coming out, did your brokerage have uh, a similar in-house form? No. No, so this was something that uh, that people are using now because ARIA has, has created the form. In the past, I've seen a custom forms done for this that specifically right. state, um, and they actually go into more detail in terms of not only are you acknowledging that you're taking a risk, but I've seen forms specifically state uh, the real estate agent um, does not recommend that these are, are being removed. Yeah. Right?
1: Well, you know in this market, people are prepared to take all kinds of risks just to get into a property. And I was just on one in a rural property where there was three offers. My, my clients came in and I said to them, this is a rural property. Luckily they were seasoned. They'd bought you know a few properties before and they'd also lived in a rural. Area. You've got a well, you've got a septic system. you, you know you've got a, a home that's older, you've got a pool. It had every single red flag thing you could imagine and so i said we have to come in with an inspection we have to look at the septic system we've got to you see the potability of the well and that pool is not open we don't know what it looks like underneath well the listing realtor came in with their own offer this young couple comes driving in from toronto and they bought it clean mm-hmm. so i had to counsel my people and say, you know, I'm sorry that you didn't get this property, but were you willing? Was it worth the risk to you to have no conditions? And they they knew that at night they had to make the decision whether they were going to go in clean or they were going to, and they just couldn't justify it. And they thought, you know what, we'll offer more money. And if that seller's prepared to take it, then fine. If they feel their property's sound and, and they're willing for us to do our due diligence, then we'd we'll go that way by giving more money, but we're not going to waive those conditions. And well, I, the seller didn't take take it. So
2: I, I love what you had said about the pre-inspection. I mean, that, that's that, that's really working really well for your buyer because if they can get in there ahead of time to look the major things that things would be you know of costly nature, um, and they're okay with the the big things, then all the little things don't really matter, right?
1: Right. But Aaron in this market. Um realtors, like less than scrupulous realtors, are listing properties on Friday and taking offers on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. And yeah. so what, it's it, it's like almost like they don't want you to do your due diligence. They're going out of their way to make it next to impossible for you to do that.
2: Yeah, and it's tough. And, it is. Yeah. You almost have it's to tell yourself, time. "Listen, take the worst-case scenario. What happens if um, we have to, you know, spend uh, three thousand dollars getting rid of mold in the attic? What if you have to fix crack repairs? I mean, how many things can add up? Are you willing to take, let's say, twenty or thirty thousand dollars in um, issues that could arise and
1: just take That's the exactly risk?" That's exactly what we said. Because there's yeah. also a um, there's also one uh, of those underground systems to water the what is that called? <laughs> I can't think of the, it. Your, irrigation Like there was every yeah. single thing you could imagine well, that you could, could things could go wrong with and that's like a twenty thousand dollar fix and the pool could be a ten thousand dollars and we added it all up and that's why we thought, Okay, so we'll offer a little bit more money, but we want yeah. to inspect. It wasn't worth the risk to them.
2: Well, here's an interesting thing Uh, with regards to the rural property, you had said rural property. So um, Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't realize up until the point where I had to deal with this um, that when you uh, put a mortgage on, let's say, a 10-acre house with 10 acres, a house with 10 Mm -hmm. acres, that the mortgage company will appraise the value of the property and then take off whatever land above uh, two acres, let's say. Um, each, each, um, lender will have a different policy, whether it be one acre or two acre, but they'll only put a a mortgage on the house and one acre or the house and two acres. And then the rest of the acreage is they won't, they won't value. So the value, Mm -hmm. let's say if they spend $1.5 million on a 10 acre property with a house on it, it'll come in at 1.2. And they'll say, because that extra 300,000 is the land beyond one or two acres. And so a lot of people, when they go in and expect the appraisal to come out and they, you know, um, they're surprised, you know, of how low it comes.
1: So is this formula, uh, different for different lenders?
2: Yes, but I don't know of a lender that doesn't take some sort of formula into account because they don't, uh, without charging a premium, they do not put a mortgage on land and there should be no value in the land. It should be all in the house, um, the, basically the usable space with the house in a, in a backyard or, or whatnot. Yeah. Right. Makes
0: yeah.
1: sense.
0: So when, when you guys have been talking about um, all this, the first thing that comes to my mind, uh, getting back to what we were talking about a little bit before, yeah. is given the craziness of the market and just how quickly everyone has to respond and react, Uh, Do you, do you both think that consumers are taking more risks than they're probably comfortable with too? Like, it almost seems like you, you're, you're kind of pressured into the situation. And whenever you get that pressure and like anticipation of, of purchasing a home, I imagine people do get a little bit in over their heads in terms of not only the cost with, with these multiple offer situations, maybe paying more than they, they want to, but going in firm with no conditions too. Uh, it seems to be quite a bit of risk. And, and being someone who's not in the Toronto market, um, that's something that I would never do, but I've, I've, never been in the situation where I've got to deal with this, right? And have to be concerned about competing with, with so many different prospective buyers on on homes. Like, it just seems like there's so much so much mm-hmm. risk that people probably shouldn't be taking, right? Like, is you there any- You have to take it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's it though. You do it's have to take how many... it.
2: The question is not when, or sorry, not, not the question. The question isn't um, whether or not you should take it, it's when you're going to be taking it. People lose out on four deals before they finally take the risk. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's true. But you'll, that... out, you'll be out with them like on a few deals. And I'll see tears on both sides, right? I'll see tears and joy when they get a property and then, the, the, then they get hit in the face with the reality like, oh my God, I just spent $800,000, 100000 over asking price for a semi-detached house. And then the, then they're crying, uh, did I overpay? So you can't win even if you win, right? Like people are, so they get caught up. There's a lot of emotion involved in um, buying property. And that's one of the reasons why I always had my own staging company is because you're selling lifestyle and people get in, involved and see themselves living that lifestyle. And then when they all of a sudden realize, oh my gosh, I just bought into that, they they're happy initially, but then they it goes through a bit of a stage of buyer's remorse and then Absolutely. come back to reality. It's it it is what it is, and everybody's in the same boat in this market.
0: Yeah, and is there any sort of end to this, or is this just becoming the norm in the the major metropolitan areas in Canada now? Like, is this just going to be what you're going to be seeing in Toronto and Vancouver from here on out, just given the, the competitiveness in the environment, or?
1: Do you have a crystal ball, Aaron?
0: I
2: don't. <laughs> no. We talked about it last, last week, and I still think it comes down to immigration policies. If the immigration policies change and we have less people entering the mar- or entering the, uh, Canada um, and foreign investment, I think, I think you'll see the slowdown. In, in
1: the Aaron, they're not even entering Canada. They're buying, no, and, and they're not even here. So I, it, don't, I don't yeah. think it has to do with immigration.
2: No, no, but foreign policy. So foreign, like the policies for foreign investors. So people that are purchasing property from another country. I mean, and that's what's happening um, you know what's, as well as immigration. Yeah.
1: You know what's really interesting is I, we were having this discussion. My father-in-law is from Vancouver. And he was here this weekend, and he's watching me running out and coming back and running out and coming back. And I was saying, you know, it's got to stop at some point. And he said, well, look at it from the other side. So – He's got a house across the street from him that just sold for $4 million. And it sold to Chinese buyers who purchased it and have never have never been there. And the house is just sitting there. Well, I was saying to them in the States, they have a policy, at least in Florida, a first look. So a Canadian citizen, or American citizen, sorry, has 21 days first look. So it has to be offered up on the market. And if an American doesn't buy it, then it opens up to oh, really? everybody else. That's and he said, Yeah, but Sue, how is that going to make me feel any better? I don't care who buys Because right now, my house is worth $6 million. If you change the policy on an old guy like me, and I'm the guy that votes, and you- and then devalue my property.
2: Oh, hey, you, you see can't have the cake and eat it too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, That's no. It's, right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because they're driving up the price of his property while he's sitting there. And so he doesn't. it, it doesn't bother him. So it's just the people that are trying to get into the market. But, I mean, even something like I just said, like what Florida was doing during the downturn there, having that 21-day first look, I don't know, maybe that's something that we should implement
0: yeah, well, any sort of policymakers are gonna be very careful because I, I mean we did talk about this a little bit last show, but with yeah. all with a foreign investment, which is kind of hard to quantify too. Like it's more uh, just because of of uh, there's not really any good statistical tracking of how much foreign investment there is. But I mean just anecdotally, and everyone kind of has that feel there is quite a bit. But if it, with the amount that's coming in, uh, if that gets reined in too much, it could end up cr- creating some sort of cr- correction, right? Which is what you want to try and avoid. And this foreign investment into the new into marketplaces in Canada and re- to real estate marketplace is contributing so much to our, our gross domestic product that it's it's buoying like kind of economic growth right now. So you know any sort of policymakers can be very very careful when they're when they're, when they're dealing with this kind of fine line between yeah. you know slowing down the the what? crazy growth in housing prices but then also making sure that the economy doesn't take a downturn as well right it's it's a very fine
2: line exactly but it saved us it saved our it saved us in the last 10 years it saved us i mean we were supposed to follow what happened in the u.s with all the prices going down and we didn't we were the exception to the rule and and you know you just point to these sort of policies and maybe you know as much as people are you know it depends on what side of the fence you're on you know if you're a seller trying to get out of the market right now it's amazing You're cashing out at the top, right? Yeah. Or is it it the top? Who knows? But uh, they're cashing out at a good time, no doubt, right?
1: Yeah. But the problem is, I got sellers that can't sell because where are they going to go? Yeah. And they're waiting to find that right property that they can move into, and they're all snapped up. So I got I'm in a big holding pattern with about four sellers because they're they're buyers too. So they're trying to buy down, but everything they bu- want to go in on is gone, and um, they're sitting in their house that they want to sell, and, and they're like, "Well, how long is it going to take?" And yeah. I, I have no answers.
0: Yeah, it's all That's lateral cool. movement, right? As long as you're staying in the same area, like your, your housing price is going up, so is everyone else's. So, like, unless you're exiting a market, like Aaron mentioned before, it, it doesn't necessarily even benefit you at all because it just makes things a little bit more difficult. Even in a lot of cases. can
2: I can I point on one thing that I heard the other day and. People are saying it. You know, it's so easy to sell your house nowadays. Why would you re- use a real estate agent? And I'm, I'm on the complete opposite side, of course, because I'm in real estate. But <laughs> I see, and they have people have to understand the difference between selling and selling at a high level. Let's say a hundred thousand over asking, or one hundred twenty thousand over asking, or or that much higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. So mm-hmm. if, if things are set up properly by the real estate agent in terms of holding off offers and, and mm-hmm. uh, scheduling the right time, doing things fairly and making sure that you're, you're looking mm-hmm. at all offers and all situations and dealing with everybody fairly, you will get so much more in price. I mean, we're talking exactly. big time money difference. And I think that's it's right. more important now, more than ever, to have a real estate agent because people say, oh, I sold my house in one day. Well, that's a mistake. Because yeah, how, do you, how do you know that uh, there wasn't somebody that would pay a hundred thousand dollars more? You never got to see it. They didn't get to see the house. So mm-hmm. if the real estate, like you're saying too, I mean, don't list on a Friday and, and take Sunday offers, list on a I Monday know. and take next Monday offers, get everybody through, get the highest you exactly. can get Exactly. the house. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And then people are also, you know, the, all this discount, this discount brokerages, it's just so scary what, what happens. And I end up doing both sides of the deal. I had an agent calling me and just handing his people to me on the phone. Really? I like, I can't, I can't help you. They're like, we need uh, we need to know about the more. I go, I am not your real estate agent. Your cousin <laughs> is, he's should- sitting beside you. Talk to him. I, yeah. I cannot help you. I'm sorry. I'm not your agent, but Sue, you've always been so good and so professional and kind with us. And he goes, yes, but I don't work for you. Your cousin sitting beside you. you, give
0: them, you referral
1: that's fee for what's that. happening. Yeah, that's what's happening. It's because everyone thinks you know, you, it's, selling a house is like falling off a log, but it is not. There's a lot involved, and it takes a true professional. And I'm tired of uh, of people mm-hmm. thinking that this. We're, we're, you know, lumped in with uh, used car salesman or whatever. If you are dealing with a good agent, a solid agent that knows their stuff, they're going to protect you as a seller or a buyer, and you're going to get the best deal and you're going to feel confident in your purchase yeah. or your sale.
2: And that just shows healthy competition because when you have somebody that's not giving the service and you have somebody that's giving lots of service, that just shows that gives a point of difference in this in this uh, in this mar- market. I don't want all of real estate agents to be considered equal. I want I want the bad ones to be bad and the good ones to be good. why? Because I think I'm a good one. I can take advantage of uh, me being uh, a better agent uh, therefore and, and, and listen, if there's bad ones out there just you know you got to do your research. you got to figure out which one is the one you want to use, one person mm-hmm. you want to you know do business with. and like I said it's it's good competition when you have choices and uh, it just makes the the better real estate agents look even better, right? Right. So.
1: Well, I always say I'm very lucky because I get my piece of the pie and everybody else is just fighting for the crumbs, right? <laughs> there you go. And that, <laughs> that comes from being, you know, solid and, you know, I'm not saying that newer agents can't do this. I mean, I welcome anybody into the market who wants to treat it like a true profession and do the best of their ability. But, sure. you know, it, it comes from um, delivering what I say I'm going to deliver to my clients. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to a certain degree, you're, you're both preaching to the choir here about the importance of real estate agents too, because most of our listeners probably are real estate agents. So I'm assuming they both, they all, they all have the same sentiment about, you know, thinking that real estate agents are, are very important in the marketplace. and They definitely are. And I, I guess the problem is a lot of consumers, uh, the ones that without that I guess lack the foresight will, will look at the dollars and cents and be like, well, I can just save the money here. And they don't realize that, that everything that the, the real estate agent brings to the table in terms of, you know, getting higher asking price or, you know, limiting your liability as well. But um, So I'm going to move on to the next segment of our show. Sue has an app that she uses for well, on her oh, iPhone. Oh, I'm
1: excited about I this. I know. She,
0: she was, she was <laughs> going on about it on the phone when I was talking to her before the show. And I said, you know, save, save it for the show, Sue. So uh, it's called Magic <laughs> Miles, and it's an iPhone app. And I'm going to let Sue take it away from here.
1: Hi, Yeah, that, that uh, app. So last year, I'm doing my taxes And i yeah, always writing in my, my little book in the car. And my... Uh, accountant even said to use one of those pencils that you know don't that so when you have the extendable lead in it. So if it breaks because either your pen's freezing or the lead breaks, and so I and then you have to remember, especially when you're in a deal and you're running between houses to jot in your mileage. Well, I kept saying to my count, "Is there not an app for that?" Well, I went and did some research and I found the app. It's called Magical Miles, and the thing I love about this is. It tracks your movement. So if I'm out in the morning in my um, car showing houses and then I stop, it actually records that. So I can be, okay, I was showing houses this morning. Then when I go pick up my kids from school, it's also recording that and that trip. But I don't want to export that trip because that wasn't for business. And the thing I love about it even more is because I have my staging van. So sometimes I'm driving my staging van or sometimes I'm driving my car. So if I'm driving a staging van, I don't have to go in and key in the mileage, you know, don't you hate doing that? Even if you have an app, like some of these apps, you have to put in like 74,000 kilometers and then you start it. But this just follows your movement all day. And then you can go in at the end of the day and you can look through and you can export those logs.
0: I'm... Are you per- loving
1: this or what? I, I,
0: I'm pretty excited about it too, because I actually have a little black logbook in like the little glove box in my car. And the problem is like, if I'm going to a business meeting and I need to record those miles, I always forget to put them in until the bit, the meeting's over. So I got to try and like estimate, you know, be like, oh, about how far I was. And you just, you know, try and like figure out what the kilometers were beforehand and such for the, on the, oh. on the odometer. And, and it's, it sounds to me so much easier just to just let your GPS on the phone handle it. And, and it's, it's smart enough because it sounds like it probably monitors your speed and sees how fast you're going so it knows when you're actually in the car or not so it can it can do that all for you um so yeah it definitely would help me make my logging a little bit more complete for uh for tax time i'm sure a lot of people probably just kind of ballpark their their mileage at the end of the year oh
1: but apparently a cat is cracking down on my account, is, my, on agents my
0: account is told me up and down make sure you have a log book in your car or something to kind of keep track of that because you'll be happy if, if you ever do get it audited you know that you do have that there so yeah. And uh, just to, so everyone knows too, that this this app is only for iOS, but they do have similar apps uh, for Android or Blackberry, I'm sure too. But uh, Magic Miles is the one that Sue likes to use for sure. So I'll be checking that one out. Okay. So I'm going to, I think we're going to wrap up the show here. We're getting a little bit long on, the sh- on time. So Sue, if someone's in Oakville looking for a real estate agent or looking to refer a client into a real estate agent in the area, how can they get in touch with you?
1: You can go to freehomestaging.ca. That's one word, freehomestaging.ca. Or you can also look me up at Century21Miller or suheadlehomes.com. Yeah,
0: for sure. So uh, if you like the show, subscribe to our show on Stitchers, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on those sites because it really helps. So you can watch this and past shows at spotlight.century21.ca slash podcast. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A dot com. So this podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program, which we mentioned earlier. <laughs> An exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. We provide high-quality HDR photography, stunning HD video tours, a cutting-edge, responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that will help sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. So find out why so many top agents are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. Sue, thanks so much for coming on our show. Thanks, everyone. for. Thank you.
1: It's been great.
0: Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. And Sue, we'll definitely have to get you on again. I think that went really well.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Take care. (laughs) Bye now.